Mark chapter 16, verse 8. Mark 16. We've heard the lesson. Sister Louisa read it for our hearing. But for homiletic emphasis, verse 8. So they went out and fled. They fled from the tomb. For terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. They said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Faithful, but still afraid. Faithful, still afraid. Nearly a decade ago, yours truly was a flag football coach. The Bobby Bonds Bulldogs in Riverside, California. The best coached group of kindergartners in the country. <laughs> One week we were scheduled to play a team of four and five year olds that appeared anything but. They were the oldest group of kindergartners that I had ever seen. <laughs> a few had earrings. <laughs> I swear a couple had tattoos. <laughs> and I'd be doggone if one of those little boys didn't have a mustache. <laughs> and on the way to the game, my son Elijah articulated something that I suspected from that week's practices. Daddy, I'm afraid of those boys. So as we drove to the park, I tried to corroborate his feelings while allaying his fears. I understand, son. You have butterflies in your stomach. It always happens. It always happened to me before big games. It means that you care. You're just nervous. But that doesn't mean that you're afraid. You've practiced. Trust the process. And as soon as the whistle blows, you and your team will do what you've been doing all season long. Your nerves will dissipate. And y'all are going to win this game. So when we arrived at the park and concluded warm-ups, I brought the team together, Coach Amica, with my hyped-up call and response. Are they better than us? The kids shouted, no. Did they practice more than us? No. Are they more prepared than us? No. Do you have anything to fear? The kids yelled, no. But then Elijah raised his hand. And he interjected, but daddy, we are a little nervous. <laughs> this story came to my mind this week while reviewing the Easter gospel lesson. For like my son, there are times in life where we have to acknowledge that our fears are founded. There are times in life when feelings of angst 
are appropriate. Too many of us were conditioned to believe that fear is a sign of failure. To be afraid is to be without faith. We equate anxiety with inadequacy and cold feet with incompetence. But today's gospel lesson demonstrates the folly of this sort of simplistic thinking. We witness Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Mary Magdalene, one of Jesus' closest disciples. They're preparing to anoint the body of Jesus. These women wanted to provide one final act of service to the one who had served them. They tried to deliver one final act of dignity to the one who dignified them. These women, oh, they had much to fear. These women were grieving. These women witnessed their beloved murdered in cold blood by the state. They saw their Jesus suffer through the cold and cruel punishment of crucifixion. Oh, you and I, my friends, we must understand the act of crucifixion. This is an act that was reserved for those considered to be a threat to the Roman imperial power. This abhorrent and atrocious act targeted those whom they deemed deviant. The Bible even says that Jesus was crucified alongside two bandits. In contemporary parlance, the label bandits connotes thievery and criminality. But in first century Palestine, Romans used the term bandit to describe Jews who they labeled as insurrectionists, those who threatened an unjust status quo, those who challenged the ideal that the idea that the sun would always rise and set on the Roman Empire. And this is why the Romans used crucifixion as this kind of egregious act of terror, a message to all the imperial subjects to stay in your place. The aim was to instill fear. Don't get out of line. Don't you go getting uppity. Stay in your place at the bottom of the social pecking order, or else you too might end up nailed to an old rugged cross. Roman trees bore strange fruit. That's why these women had good reason to be afraid. And I suppose this explains the reason why other disciples dispersed and disappeared. The men went into hiding. The disciple Peter even denied Jesus three times. Weren't you a follower of Jesus? Wait, 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 wait. Didn't we see you singing Hosanna? just last week? No, Peter said, that wasn't me. Yet these women, fueled by their faith and catalyzed by their conviction, they remained 
these women remained to bear witness. They had a calling to fulfill. They wanted to extend one final act of mercy to the one who was so merciful. One last gift of grace to the one who had been so gracious. One final act of love to the one who had been so loving to everybody. Were they afraid? I'm sure. Did they have their doubts? Of course. Who would roll the stone away? But these women showed up anyway. And I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, there's a profound lesson for us here today. There's a beautiful lesson from these women. How many of us have heard the voice of God's call? How many of us know that a charge to keep we have and a God to glorify? How many know that you have a responsibility to assume, a task to undertake? Yet despite this, we allow fear, anxiety, and doubt to have the final word. Who? Who's going to roll the stone away? We focus on the question rather than on our call. Who, who's going to roll the stone away? We focus on the impediment rather than the possibility. Who is going to roll the stone away? We focus on the obstacle rather than the opportunity. And Easter, Easter should serve as a perennial reminder that the fear of crucifixion Friday should not have the last say. Think of every movement and moment of positive change in this nation. It's always a result of those who decided to act on the power of their conviction despite their justified fears. Consider Martin Luther King Jr. 50 years ago this week, April 4th, an assassin's bullet went through his jaw and severed his spine. We know that Dr. King lived under the depressing storm clouds of fear and doubt. There were even some days we know that Dr. King couldn't even get out of the bed. He was so depressed, living under constant FBI surveillance, living under constant death threat. As a matter of fact, at the time of his autopsy, doctor said that though he was 39 years old, he had the heart of a 75-year-old. I'm sure Martin was afraid. He wanted to live beyond this young age. I'm sure he was afraid to leave his wife and his four children without a father. We know that Dr. King even feared that the stones of injustice that entombed this nation would be too heavy to roll away. But Dr. King never quit. Why? Because his faith in what was possible outpaced his fear of the impractical. Oh, my brothers and sisters, consider the current Me Too movement. Women at all levels of society have much to fear. We live in a world and a society where for generations we've conditioned women to believe that they are expendable mere sexual cogs in the machines of masculinist pleasure. 
Women in the workplace have much to fear. Fear of losing opportunities, losing mentorship, losing livelihoods, fear of being denigrated and disparaged publicly at every turn. And if this is true for women in Hollywood and in Washington and on Wall Street, just imagine what it's like for poor and working class sisters among us. But despite this fear, women everywhere have found the courage to say enough is enough. If we bring our voices together, we will have the power to roll the stones of patriarchy that have for too long blocked the path of equality and dignity. Well, consider students, student activists from Ferguson, Missouri to Lakeland, Florida. The NRA may appear all-powerful. Lawmakers may seem incorrigible. The prison industrial complex often looks intractable. Oh, our young people have much to fear. The media frames some of them as thugs and others of them as idealists. Unscrupulous pundits demonize adolescents and crucify the character of these kids. But look at how these young people continue to show up. Look at how they continue to speak out. Look at how they refuse to be intimidated by the massive stones resting before them. Who shall roll these stones away? Well, according to these young people, the confidence of our convictions, that's who. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary Magdalene, oh, they had their fears. Roman soldiers might execute them. The stone might prove too cumbersome. They might be mocked and maligned, but despite their anxiety, they had their ideals. Despite their fear, they also had their faith. Thus, when they showed up to do the improbable, they discovered that God had already done the impossible. Jesus had risen from the grave. And that's the message of Easter. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to have doubts, fear, and uncertainty. They are not the opposite of faith. To the contrary, I would argue that doubt is a precondition of faith. For if faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen, then faith does not grow from the seeds of empirically based verification. Our faith, brothers and sisters, grows from the soil of the improbable and our hopes of the implausible. So the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is either our optimistic or our cynical certainty. In the words of Soren Kierkegaard, he who always hopes for the best becomes old, deceived by life. He who always prepares for the worst becomes old prematurely, mocked by cynicism. But she who has faith retains eternal youth.
Faith led these women to the tomb. They showed up to do the improbable. They discovered the impossible. God rose Jesus from the dead. And then the angel commands them to go tell the other disciples. The Bible says that the women fled from the tomb. And according to verse 8, they didn't say a mumbling word in the process. Why? Because they were afraid. But nevertheless, what did they do? They started walking. I can only imagine what they were thinking. Who in the world is going to believe us? The disciples are going to think we've lost our minds. But they kept on walking. Oh, we're just two women. The men, they aren't going to believe us. They're going to say that we're crazy. I can't even say nothing. But they kept on walking. My brothers and sisters, if there's anybody here this morning who's been seized by fear, if there's anybody here who's been paralyzed by trepidation or anxiety ridden by the opinion of others, I want you to remember this morning the message of Easter. God specializes in the unthinkable. If we endure persecution for the cause of the right and are willing to suffer in the service of others, we can have confidence that God specializes in the unthinkable and can do the inconceivable. Oh, but we just have to keep on walking. I think about these two women walking, faithful, but still afraid. I'm reminded of a story that my grandparents have framed on their walls. This story tells the man, story of a man who is walking along the beach with God. The man sees several scenes from his life. And in each of the scenes, he sees two footprints walking along in the sand. One set of footprints belongs to him. The other set of footprints belongs to God. But the man noticed a pattern. Whenever he was at his lowest, and whenever he was most afraid and troubled, he only saw one set of footprints. So the man asked the Lord, Lord, you said you would never leave me nor forsake me. You said that you would be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So why is it that during the scariest times of my life, I only see one set of footprints? Why would you leave me alone when I was at rock bottom? And God replied, why do you think I left you? For look closely at those footprints in the sand. For those footprints don't belong to you. They belong to me. For whenever you were afraid, whenever you were going through your trials and tribulations, it was then that I picked you up in my arms and I carried you. And this is the message of Easter. Despite the horror of Crucifixion Friday, despite your fear, despite my anxiety, God will pick us up on Sunday morning. God will show up because when we show up for the improbable, we can watch God do the impossible. It's Easter.